Super Talk Mississippi media production. If you're feeling anxious about your investments with all the economic volatility and chaos in Washington, tune in to Super Talk Jackson on Wednesdays from 9 to 10 a.m. and Sundays from 8.30 to 9.30 a.m. for Element Wealth Radio with Jeremy Nelson. Learn more at myelementwealth.com. Welcome in, everybody, on this Sunday night when this is being recorded, most likely Monday when you're listening to this, but I'm glad you're with me nonetheless. This is the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky, and camp still going on. There is a couple of things that I want to get to tonight. Obviously, the quarterback position is the thing that everybody wants to talk about, Um, and I have observed that some folks are kind of rushing the, the not the decision because it doesn't matter what outside people think of the position. Lane Kiffin's going to make the decision whenever he feels like it, but um, we don't know who it's going to be yet. There is from talking to objective people that have been there, no front runner at the moment. And that's okay. And we need to let it work itself out. I feel like a lot of people just want the decision to be rushed and uh, we'll talk about that. So, and the buy-in thing. So it's two things that we're going to get to tonight is quarterbacks and and the buy-in thing that uh, has made its rounds over the first week of practice. But before before we get to that, sorry, having a tough time talking. Before we get to that, uh, a couple of things uh, for you to remember. Uh, if you have not already, please follow me on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, Michael Borky, B-O-R-K-E-Y, wherever you are on social media. I'm there, too. Find me, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, Subscribe, like, follow, all that good stuff. Also, if you have not already subscribed to this podcast uh, so you don't miss an episode, you've got a podcast app already uploaded on your phone. You don't have to add anything else. Just pull that app up, search Rebel Report, subscribe, and uh, leave leave a rating and a review. Okay, we'll start with, let's start with the buy-in thing. Because that is something that Lane Kiffin has has talked about a lot. That's not like people pulling it out of nowhere. The head coach has made repeated references to either a lack of buy-in, not from the whole team, uh, it's a small number of players, a specific number of players. And it seemed like the, the last press conference before the one I'm going to play for you later, he specifically was talking about an individual player, one that people were hoping would be an impact player this year. Uh, From talking to people, it it doesn't sound like they're overly concerned right now. I think I said this to you guys uh, last time we talked about it. But it doesn't sound like it's something that they're overly concerned about, whether the first few days of practice have uh, awoken some eyes. They have very clearly... Uh, put at least one player not on the first or second team in team drills to try to wake them up a little bit, stuff like that. Um, I mean, we can be specific. It's fine. Lane Kiffin talked about him directly. Michael Trigg, for example, is somebody that Lane Kiffin talked about in a press conference uh, directly, and he has not been, uh, at least in the viewing portions of practice so far, running with the first-team offense. There's a reason for that, and then he did have a media opportunity where he made reference himself to he needs to be more like Casey Kelly because Casey Kelly knows all of the plays and where he's supposed to be, and I don't, things like that. So maybe it's just a product of they are, you know, 
working some of these things out with some of these players and they've done whatever they've needed to do to open their eyes where they think that that process is ongoing and they'll be fine because nobody appears to be super concerned about it. Now, again, if we're having this conversation in two weeks or three weeks, then you've got a possible issue, but they've talked about it. They've addressed it. The one of the players has spoken about it publicly. Sometimes you got to read between the lines a little bit, but Kiffin and Michael Trigg were both pretty direct about at least one aspect of why he's uh, behind Casey Kelly. I mean, he said it straight up. Casey knows what he's supposed to do. I don't. I need to get to on his level. Straight up said it, um, which is pretty impressive self-awareness for a college football player, by the way. Um but nobody around there seems to be overly concerned about it being a long-term issue. And that's the most important thing to me here, talking to you, is I have seen and heard some people use this as confirming their biases about the transfer portal strategy. And now maybe they changed that strategy. Maybe you know this was a one-off and they recruit more high school kids and they've learned that they don't like this. But but I have seen and, and heard from uh, some Ole Miss fans and, and Ole Miss people and, uh, that have used this to say, see, I told you, I told you this is why you don't use the transfer portal because these kids come in thinking that they're hot and they're really not. It may or may not work. Being portal heavy may not work. There's a chance it doesn't. But this isn't why. Having a small number of players not bought into your program or doing the right thing all the time is an annual problem for every football team. I talked to a couple people that have either played or coached elsewhere over the last few days, and it's an annual problem everywhere. You've heard Nick Saban talk about players not buying in and doing the right thing. This is a using this as... A C, I told you so about the portal is not not really rooted um, in sense. It's nonsense. A small number of players not buying in and doing what they're supposed to be doing is an annual problem with a football team. An annual problem. Is this one a little bit different because it's a transfer in one case that you expect to get big things out of? Sure. Yeah but doesn't change the reality of the situation. 85 college kids pulling the rope in the same direction is a hard thing to achieve, even last year's team. Last year's Ole Miss team, an extremely close-knit football team, had a couple of guys during the season, during the season, that walked out of practice. During the season... The most successful almost regular season in decades, and you still had a couple of players walk out of practice one day, and they were bad apples. I don't know if they were bad apples or not, but they had bad attitudes. I've had a bad attitude before. I will have one again, so it doesn't mean they're a bad person. That was not the best characterization of the point, but the point is even last year's Ole Miss team had guys on it that had bad attitudes during the season. This isn't anything other than how you, what happens when you have to manage 85, 18 to 22-year-olds and try to get them all on the same page. 
it's a hard thing to do. I've heard Nick Saban complain about it. I've heard Ryan Day complain about it. I've heard, or not complain, but mention it. I've heard Kirby Smart say it. It's an annual problem. So this is not anything other than what happens as a college football coach and nothing other than that. Again, the dynamic of the way the roster is built makes things a little bit weird, but in terms of not buying in, not doing the right thing, that's an annual problem. So there you go. (laughs) Uh, Before we get to the next thing, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University in Oxford. It's the best place in this state to get your meat. And by the way, the weather is absolutely stunning for August. I mean, you've got highs coming up next weekend in Oxford of 89, 86, 89. Yeah, you heard me right. 89, 86, 89 for August, mid-August at that, you don't get better grilling weather than that right there. So if you're going to put something on the grill, you want to get that started at LB's. Again, just across from Kroger on University in Oxford. When you go by, tell Greg or any of the good people there that I sent you, and they'll hook you up. They also have lunch daily lunch specials Monday through Friday. Uh, so if you, want to, if you don't want to do the cooking, they'll do it for you at LB's, again, just across from Kroger on University in Oxford. Podcast is also brought to you by Advantage Business Systems. ABSMS.com is the website if you are anywhere inside of the state of Mississippi near the market for office technology. So anything from copiers and printers and, and mail machines to cloud storage, data security, phone systems, if it's tech, if it's in the office and you need it, ABSMS.com is the website. When you tell them I sent you, you'll get a complimentary office technology assessment. So you tell them what you need, what your budget is. They'll come out and assess that on me. Just tell them I sent you absms.com. So I'm going to play for you Lane Kiffin's press conference uh, here when I'm done rambling. And he was asked about quarterbacks again because he, he has to be. Um, there's not much he can say at this point, that will be satisfactory. Um, because here's, they're just a week into practice. This is, um, we're not used to quarterback battles around here, I, I have learned. Um, the last one between Prum, uh, John Rice Plumley and Matt Corral was emotional for some people, as I, as I learned at the time. And the only one before, and, and quite frankly, that was an in-season battle. When when Kiffin came, there was no quarterback battle. That was Matt Corral's team from the jump, uh, without hesitation. When Chad Kelly came in, that wasn't a quarterback battle either. Hugh Freeze tried to keep up appearances that it was, and some people that cover the team tried to keep appearances up that it was. It was not. After the first practice and the first team session, the players on the team knew who their quarterback was going to be, and it was Chad Kelly, and everybody knew it. They had to you know, worry about personal stuff, I suppose, but the, the team themselves knew exactly who it was going to be when Chad Kelly uh, was in. And then if you want to go all the way back to Houston, not quarterback battles, we can, but totally different time, and there's actual competence leading your program now as opposed to whatever the hell that was. Point being, there, there is not an answer today. 
there, there's not one, and it's not an embellishment kind of thing. When he says that they've both done nice things, that is what's happened. Um, there, there is no leader. There, there isn't one. There's not a leader right now. Um, they've both done good things. They've both done bad things. And I'll say this. If being super conservative is the selling point, then that's not how it's going to end. And here's what I mean by that. Um, People that go and and watch practices will will see one guy not making any mistakes and hitting his check downs all the time. And because they see ball leave quarterback's handball caught by other player, they just assume that's good. And, you know, usually it is. But in this case, especially when you have to, when you take into account who's coaching these guys, it's not that simple. And there, there are people that are oversimplifying. They're, they're either rushing it and just wanting to have an answer right now. And like they, they hear a quote from Michael Trigg that says, when Jackson Dark gets comfortable, it's a wrap, I think is what he said. That, that's uh, uh, his good friend and roommate hyping up his good friend and roommate. That, that wasn't like a, a peek behind what's really happening. There's nothing to read into Michael Trigg's quote at all because he's not making the decision for one. And again, it was just a boy hyping up his boy. That, that's not what it is. So people are like reading too far into stuff like that and like really trying to rush this decision or, or are seeing practice and, and seeing one guy throw to his checkdowns and, and completing passes and the other guy taking risks downfield. And well, that guy's been better. And maybe that, that is the case, but it's really not that simple. Um, I think it's abundantly clear that people have chosen sides. Some people have chosen sides on this. And um, whether it's intentional or not, it's, I think that's become clear. And it's a far less emotional Plumlee Corral thing, but people have chosen chosen their side and go seeking confirmation as opposed to seeking reality. And I don't know who I don't know who a leader is because I don't think they have one. I don't think they're anywhere close to making this a decision. I actually believe Lane Kiffin when he says that they both do good things and they both do bad things. And I believe the people, when they say that the coaching staff wants fewer turnovers and risky throws from Jackson Dart, and and they want more vertical threat, more risks from Luke Altmaier. And right now, neither one has emerged as a guy, but I do have a theory on it. I, I do think that considering who, Lane Kiffin is in the way he coaches. you got to remember, this is a guy that went for it. You remember the way he coached the Alabama game last year, and, and a lot of people criticized him for it. But if you remember that long ago, I did not. And if you remember why, I said because he maximized their chance to win. I can't tell you the number of people that, that texted into our radio show that Monday talking about if he'd have just punted the game, wouldn't have been that bad. That they were literally advocating for him to coach not to lose as bad. 
That's not ha- that's not his mentality, and it never will be. He coaches to win. He wants to maximize his chance at winning. And so, if the selling point is is conservative, then my guess, and that's all it is, and I'm being honest with you, is that that won't win because you're not going to Tuscaloosa. All right, she, well, Alabama's in Oxford, but last year. They took risks. Why? Because it maximized their chance at winning. It did. Felt goofy, but they weren't winning that game on field goals and punts. And you saw why. But you're not beating Alabama this year in Oxford, being conservative. You're not going to Fayetteville and winning, being conservative. You're not going to College Station and winning, being conservative. People think that this team can just rely on their offensive line and running game and defense and just win And that's maximum potential, and it's not. It's simply not. Their defense and running game can carry them to a bowl game. I can see seven wins on their schedule where they don't have to be explosive offensively to get there. Seven or so. The four non-conference games, Vanderbilt, I think they can beat Mississippi State, can beat, I don't say will, but I think they can beat Mississippi State that way. You know, maybe Auburn, maybe Kentucky. I, I can get to seven or so, but that's nothing in the eyes of the head coach of the program. Nothing. So, it, I, if it remains this way, I think they will go with Dart. But that, that's just a guess. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. But when, again, when the selling point is conservative doesn't turn the ball over, hits hits checkdowns. I don't think that's going to win out in the end because I know who's coaching him, and I know how he coaches and what he wants. He wants to win in College Station and beat Alabama and win in Fayetteville, and you're not winning those games by being conservative. It won't happen. Um, so it's an interesting decision. I don't think you can just lean on running game and defense and reach their maximum potential. But you also can't turn it over three times a game and reach your maximum potential. It's uh, until one improves at the thing that they are lacking, you're going to have answers like the one you're going to hear from Lane Kiffin, and you're not going to have a decision made yet. Some people need to be okay with that. I don't know who the guy's going to be. I really don't. I have theories, but that's all they are. Um, But I sure as hell know that they're not anywhere close to a decision right now. And some people need to be okay with that. So here's Lane Kiffin now. I'll uh, play that for you. Here's after practice on Saturday. And that'll end the podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in. Hope what I said just made, uh, made sense. I'm a little... A little empty, running on running on fumes, but I appreciate you guys being with, with me nonetheless, and I'll talk to you again very soon. But here is Lane Kiffin after practice on Saturday. All right, so I haven't had you guys for a few days. Um, you know, guys are working hard out there. It was good that it was hotter today than it had been um, to push them, get them uncomfortable. So <clears throat> um, a lot of new guys, as you guys know, so... A lot of work to do with them. Same story, you know, on and off the field. I think our coaches have done a good job so far. 
There's a lot of meshing together there as well with half the staff being new and a new strength coach. So it's great to have a training camp. You know, sometimes you got so many returning pieces, it's not as important, and you're more managing just to stay healthy. This would not be the case. I hate to ask, but we haven't talked to you. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Kincaid Dan as well, if you could throw him in there. Yeah, so, you know, all the guys are getting a lot of plays. We run two fields, as you guys know. So um, both fields are really important, especially in the fall, because you got better numbers. So you got some good players down there um, on the other field to throw to and to look at. So, you know, I think. I know it just sounds company line, but all three have done some good things and um, and have done some bad things. Thought we were more accurate today. Uh, we've not been accurate middle to deep throws, and that was the emphasis of the day. And they responded with that instead of under instead of overthrowing these long foul balls. We talked to Zach Evans and Ulysses Bentley yesterday, and they brought up Kinshawn Judkins as somebody who's improved a lot and has really stood out to them. Uh, do you see him as being a legitimate part of this running back room rotation this year? I do. You know, I kind of look at things from a personnel standpoint. You know, when I go out there, you know, kind of general managerish, and where guys, instead of just coach where they're at now, where they're going to be. And, you know, we have a few guys that have come in here that, I say look like you're supposed to, you know, at an elite program, and he would be um, one of those. So he looks as good as any high school player we've signed from a physical standpoint. Now, you got to do a lot to be able to play and put that all together, but, um, you know, a lot of our guys that kind of get off the bus looking really good are portals. I'm not saying they're not good players. I'm just saying that our kind of best height-speed ratio when, you, when you're out there looking, you kind of the wow factor. Um, he's one of our high school guys who has that already. Uh, uh, of the new guys, Malik Keith's kind of the newest of the new, getting him kind of midsummer. Just I know it's been a week, but what have you seen from him and kind of expect to add to that receiver room? Well, I was told on my walk up here that Juice just tweeted something during practice about Malik. So we've reprimanded Juice, as you'll see on Twitter walking up here. You know, we don't give bolts and board material. So Malik struggled early, kind of was down on all fours and – you know, we don't do that here, and, you know, you got to get up and keep going. So I think Juice kind of took a shot at him on Twitter about how he's been trained. So we had to teach Juice. We don't give bulletin board material around here, and it ain't like Juice has won a lot of games himself. So I'm not really sure <clears throat> why he's doing that. So um, <clears throat> Malik has had an adjustment period, but has really flashed and made some really special plays. Actually came back after that period and um, scored a touchdown, long touchdown on the last play, um, you know, of the day. So got a very high ceiling, a lot of work to do still. I noticed on both sides of the ball, it's like you're kind of experimenting with players in different spots. Is that to try to find the best 11 or is that and or to develop some depth in the event of injuries and that kind of thing? <clears throat> That's both. Um, again, even though we have similar schemes to last year, very similar, uh, we have new coordinators, a lot of new position coaches, and a lot of new moving parts coming in. So, you know, you've heard us say it about, you know, thinking outside the box, creating a new box, and we try to do the same thing with personnel and not just say, okay, here's our scheme, you got to fit into these spots. We try to figure out 
where are our best players, and then we'll stay in here all night figuring out schemes around that. So that takes some time. Seems like some of those second-year DBs, Breedlove and Brown and Washington, are getting a little more looks this fall. Just kind of how have you seen them improve from year one to year two to help you guys out? Yeah, that's usually the biggest jump, year one to year two. And um, those DBs have looked really good. You know, I think we kind of are caught up in a world of everybody's supposed to play right away, and if you don't, you leave. And um, so those guys, I'm sure, didn't play as much as they wanted to last year. And you know, have responded, look really well, and will be significant players. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.